Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Oh, he's worthy of our praise tonight, isn't he? <clears throat> he's the only door. Did you know that? Did you learn that this morning? There are no other doors or no windows or no uh, uh, attic escapes. There's simply one door in his name is Jesus. And so tonight we're going to continue here in John chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and make your way there. John chapter 10. And we're going to pick up where we left off this morning, verse number 11, and just sort of build, if we can, on into verse number 30. Are you ready for that? I knew that you were. That nap helped you. And now you're ready to dive into God's Word. Some of you still yawning. I hope you got a little cup of coffee to get your blood going a little bit uh, as we dive into the Word tonight. I pray that you honored your mother today. If she's here and you're able, um, I tell you, the, um, as time passes by, I wish my mama was here so I could have honored her today. Um, but she's not, and I praise God that he, she's home and safe, but at the same time, there are many of us in the room that are hurting. Miss, you know, I hear this. this. For me, it's just been a little over a year, and I hear from a lot of you, though, it doesn't matter. So you, as the years go by, you still miss them, and uh, we thank God for them, don't we? What a treasure uh, our mamas and daddies are, and so we thank God for our mothers tonight. Pick up with me, if you will, verse number 11. Does anybody remember some of what we looked at this morning? Jesus Christ is the door of destiny for who? Do anybody remember? Not, so not just believers, but also unbelievers. He's the door of entrance for the believer, but he's the door of exclusion for the non-believer, right? He's the one singular determining factor whether or not I have relationship with God. He's the one single determining factor whether or not I'm right with God. He's the one single determining factor whether or not I have the power of God and the spirit of God. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the door, uh, who said, I am, if any man enter by me, he will be saved. Don't you love the ring of that? And uh, go in and out and find pasture. Tonight, let's pick up, if we can, in verse number 11, all right? Would you stand to your feet tonight in honor of reading God's Word? And uh, I'm going to share with you in just a little while. When we close, I'm going to share some more good news with you, right? There were, this morning, there were around 10 that raised their hands this morning for moments of salvation. Uh, grown folk, young folk, middle-aged folk, some came down, made it public, some hadn't yet. We pray for them as they continue the journey. Uh, always, I pray, what happens is weeks later, they'll finally come on down. And uh, that's all right, you know, we keep praying and keep pressing and uh, keep doing what God calls us to do. And he continues to draw people here and home and into salvation. So tonight, beginning in verse number 11. So we learned this morning that Jesus talking about himself. Remember, he had just healed a man who was born blind. He had made clay from the dirt with his spit, wiped it on his eyes, told him to wash. We said that's a rather weird method. But we determined that Jesus always swapped the method, so we didn't worship the method, but we worshiped the master. And as they pointed to the master, the Pharisees don't like that because they don't want Jesus to be the Messiah and the master because if so, it threatens their position. The old covenant is done away with. No more need for a hierarchy of religious people, right? We now are able to have relationship with God the Father simply through Jesus Christ the Son. Jew and Gentile, uh, uh, rich and noble, anybody can come be part of the family of God through Jesus Christ. And so they don't like that idea. They don't like the idea of everybody being part of the family and no need for their positions anymore. And so they're arguing against him, arguing against him. And so Jesus begins to tell them some illustration about who he is. He starts in the first part of chapter 10 about calling himself the good shepherd. But they're not getting that. Do you remember that this morning? 
Remember verse number six, it said Jesus used these illustrations, but they did not understand it. Shoot right over their heads. And so he's talking about himself, saying he's the good shepherd. He's the way for people to be shepherded and to know God. And then he changes the, right in the middle, he changes the illustration, and he calls himself instead of, and by the way, I thought about this this afternoon. Isn't it interesting, uh, the things we call ourselves? Like if I was to ask you about you, what would you tell me about you? How would you describe yourself to me? And Jesus describes himself as first the good shepherd, but here he turns and he describes himself as the door. You ever know anybody call himself a door? (laughs) Only Jesus that I know of uh, called himself the door. And he said, I'm not a door, but the door. And they very singularly narrowed it way down. Um, And by the way, remember we talked about that's very, very offensive to our flesh. We don't want anybody telling us there's only one way. We'd rather have 12 different ways, but we're not smart enough. We're not humble enough to say God reduced it down so simple for us that there's just one way. There's not 12 steps to it. There's simply one man on the cross, dead, buried, and resurrected, and us coming to him by faith for salvation. So picking right up, he goes on back to, now what we're going to pick up in is that he goes back to the illustration of, does anybody guess? The good shepherd. So he goes, good shepherd, door, good shepherd. We're going to pick up where he goes back to the illustration of being the good shepherd. That okay with y'all? Good, here we go. Some of y'all are way behind tonight, way behind. All right, here we go, verse 11. I am, Jesus said, the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not uh, the sheep, excuse me, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees. He is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Repetition, do you see that? Repetition. That's now about four times that Jesus has said five times. And I know my sheep and am known by my sheep. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, of them also I must bring. I love that. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power. Somebody say, I have power. Jesus said, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Aren't you glad? Nobody stole it from him. They didn't arrest him and lead him off as a poor criminal, Uh, but he laid it down. This command, he said, I have received from my Father. Now, we're about to learn something about the Trinity, okay? As we go through tonight's message, I've received a command from my father. Okay, okay, walk with me a little further. Verse 19. Therefore, there was a division among, again, among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? Others among them said, well, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and, it was, and as it is written, and Jesus uh, walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Tell us plainly. Because remember, so far he made an illustration. And again, what was the illustration of the shepherd at the door? He's the Messiah. That's what he's telling him, all right? But he's saying an illustration. They're saying, just, tell, just say it. Just say the word that you are. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father, you ready for this? I and my Father are one. Let's pause for prayer. Would you bow with me for just a moment? Oh, a lot of great truth in this tonight, and you and I need the Holy Ghost of God to help us both to proclaim it and to understand and receive it that we might be transformed by it. So, Father, I pray in the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus that you would help us tonight. All of us are in need of help. And, Father, I need your help. First, with this weak voice, it's creaking and squeaking. And I thank you, Lord, in advance that you're going to let it do what it's supposed to do and deliver your message to your people on this night. And, Father, I pray as I proclaim this great truth that it transforms not only the lives of the people here, the lives of people who are listening somewhere out there, um, but also to the transformation would happen in my own life. I need it, God. So please, as you help me to preach, put on display your power to use the less than ordinary. And God, as you do, would you speak to each one of us individually as a father to his children. And God, if there be even one soul among us who's lost and separated from you, groping in the darkness, would you call their name tonight? Would you touch their heart? Would you draw them and convict them and bring them to a place they're ready to wave the white flag and invite Jesus Christ to be their shepherd, their Lord? It's in Jesus' name that we ask. And the people of God said with me, Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, tonight, the title of the message simply is The Good Shepherd. And what we're going to do, so this morning was the door of our destiny, but tonight is The Good Shepherd. And what I want to do is I want to make about four statements, if I can. Five statements, all right? Five. I don't want you to get mad if I have five. Five statements. Uh, and some of y'all are just looking for a reason sometimes to get angry with me, and I want to just be upfront and honest, one through five, all right? And uh, as we go through tonight, I want to make five statements about Jesus as the good shepherd. Is that okay with y'all? All right. Why would, it be, why would it not be? Why would I ask you that? Because it is, in fact, what is found in this text. And so what do we preach? Why do, how do we know what to preach? It's what's already in the text, okay? So here we go with number one in your notes. It's found in verses 11 and on down through verse number 13. Here's what it is. The good shepherd gave his life for his sheep. Would you write that down? The good shepherd gave his life for his sheep. How many of you are thankful tonight that Jesus was willing to give his life? <clears throat> the good shepherd gave his life for the sheep, for his sheep. All right, let me read if I can. Back in verse 11, you read that with me. The good shepherd gave his life for his sheep. It's John 10, 11 through 13. I am. So he just pivots from the abundant life. <clears throat> He's made a point in John 10, 10, that there's a thief. And the thief's point and purpose is to come to decrease that which is truly good, right? Steal, kill, destroy. He wants to decrease everything that God has placed to good in our lives. And then we said, but at the same time, there is a Savior who comes, and he wants to increase. He wants to increase that which is truly good in life, okay? Uh, one says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, one came to bring life, but not just life, but that we would have it more abundantly. He came to increase that which is truly good in life, all right, in the kingdom. And so then he pivots back to the good shepherd principle, and here's what he says, I am the good shepherd. And he's going to say something about himself. He said, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, I want you just to ponder the magnitude of that because a true shepherd uh, oftentimes was said to lay down in the gate uh, of what I was explaining to you about the sheepfold this morning, uh, about the semicircle, and it would be made of rock, and it would be sometimes about waist high, and on top of that, they would pile sharp uh, pointed objects like briars and stickers and those kinds of things, sharp sticks, and it was to act as uh, our modern-day barbed wire. Uh, see, we're not really that sharp. That really came from some uh, ancient principles of shepherding and, and livestock, and so uh, they would bring the animals in, the, the, the sheep in at night to keep a better watch on them. They were better protected. And there was one way in, oh, one door. <laughs> oh, what a picture. And the, the shepherd would oftentimes lay across the gate 
and lay across the gate in case he dozed off or in case something happened. If a, if a wolf or something wanted to attack the sheep, they had to first go through the, good, the shepherd. Are you all tracking with me tonight? And so uh, he was willing, in other words, the shepherd on earth was willing to put his life at risk for the sheep in the, in the modern time, in the, in, the, in, the, in the everyday time. But Jesus, on the other hand, was not just willing, but he did. Are you with me? He just didn't stay at the gate in case something happened. He came with the sole purpose to remedy a problem that you and I couldn't fix. And the only way it could be remedied is if he died as our substitute. The only way the situation could be resolved, the only way the debt could be paid is if the perfect blood of God himself flowing in Jesus' body was poured out for the sins of all mankind. You see, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, according to Hebrews 9 and 27. And then we look in Hebrews, and Hebrews said it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to, to cover the sins of man. It's impossible for that to happen. And so there was one lamb, one time for all time, and his name is Jesus. And I pray every day this week as you wake up, you would consider the good shepherd gave his life for you. And when you contemplate your day and the difficulties that it may have or, or the great things that you get to experience, the mountaintop maybe that you're on right now or the kind of plateau. Sometimes we're on plateaus, aren't we? Nothing's really, really great. Nothing's really, really bad. We're just sort of kind of in this spot we've been in. And I want you to celebrate those moments, uh, whether it's mountaintops or valleys or somewhere in between, because of this one truth. The good shepherd gave his life for you. He gave his life. So I pray that would give us a heart of gratitude. Somebody ought to shout amen. <clears throat> you and I ought to be the gratefulest people on planet earth. It ought to be real hard to tick us off. Come on, somebody. It ought to be real hard to make us grumpy. It ought to be real hard for us to complain. It ought to be real hard for us to be uh, greedy because we've been given eternal life by the substitutionary death of Jesus. All right, I'm trying to move on. The good shepherd gives his life. He gave his life for the sheep. Jesus made that statement about himself before he ever did it. Number two, I want you to see is found in verse 14. And in verse 14, <clears throat> Jesus is going to talk some, give us another little insight into this good shepherd, all right? So as we are not literal sheep, but we are used metaphorically as sheep, what is this that we can learn in our relationship with Jesus? One, the good shepherd gave his life for the sheep. But number two, the good shepherd is in relationship with his sheep. Would you write that down? The good shepherd is in relationship with his sheep. In other words, in those particular times, oftentimes the sheep would go out and they would graze and they would do their thing and the, she and the shepherd would kind of, he would be in their midst, he would be doing what they were doing, but also sometimes he would sit on the hillside and they would just do their thing. And let me just say that it was difficult for uh, a human shepherd to have a conversation with an animal sheep. Is anybody, does that make any sense to anybody in the room? And so though they, they, but now you know if you've had a pet <clears throat> that you've gotten close to, you still can communicate. Y'all track with me? Uh, you know when they love you and they know when you love them. And it's through, listen, it's through, not through verb, right, verbal form, but it's through actions. And what happens is when you do things for an animal and an animal's there loving back on you, the action, you never have to say words to each other, the actions bring about intimacy. I want you to write that somewhere. The actions bring about intimacy. Listen to what Jesus is about to say in verse number 14 about himself, the good shepherd, and you and I, the sheep. <clears throat> in verse number 13, Jesus says, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go back actually verse 14. So he says, first, don't let me skip verse 12. A hireling is he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. So he talks about those who don't really love the sheep but just sort of are paid to do what they do. And they're never going to defend the sheep with their lives because they don't care about it. And what is he saying? He's saying he cares for you. 
He cares for you so much that he gave his life for you. All right, verse number 14. I am, again, now you see this again, I am the good shepherd. What does he want you to know? He is the good shepherd, okay? And then he goes on to say, and I, here's the word, I know my sheep. I know them. They're not, they don't have to reintroduce themselves to me. Uh, in a room this size, and I know we have a little lower attendance tonight than most Sunday nights, and I understand that. We're not mad at anybody. They're spending time with their families. Wonderful. They sh- they, we need to do that too, but we ought to be here as often as we possibly can. And so as we think about this particular passage in this room, in a room this size with this many people, um, he knows which ones in this room are his and which ones are not. Now, nobody else in the room does. Have you ever thought about that? Not another living soul in this room can 100% for sure say which one of us belong to God and which ones don't. And now we got a little testimony. We may have some, you know, we have some fruit in our life, and that's wonderful. But, you know, people can fake those things. You've noticed that. I don't know if you've known that in your life, but people can fake good works. And so there's only one who really knows which ones in this room are his and which ones aren't. And what he says about that, the good shepherd knows us. It's a know by experience. It's an interaction. It's a he talks to them and they talk to him. My question for you is this. Does he talk to you and do you talk to him? And if not, how can you know each other? Now, let me just say that God knows all people. That's an accurate statement, right? But let me just draw you something, a picture here if I could. Someone said to me one time, well, you said that God doesn't know uh, those that aren't his. And I said, I stand by that. And they said, well, how can you say Because he knows all things, right? And I said, he knows all things. But do you know the scripture verse when Jesus said in that day, there are going to be people who stand before him and say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say to them, uh-oh, uh-oh, somebody just remembered a verse, didn't they? And Jesus said, I'm going to say to them, depart from me. I never, oh, oh. So they were in the house. They were doing religious activity. There were not much commitment in their lives. They went to church. You know, okay, they just did some religious things, but their relationship with him was hit and miss at best. There was no talking to, listening to, praying, saying, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to do it today? And so they had a form of religiosity, if you will, religion. And because of that, he said, I never knew you. So the wonderful thing about the good shepherd is that he knows his sheep. He's not tricked today. You can dress up. I've heard Johnny Armstrong say this so many times. If you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. And doesn't matter what you do. You can put your nicest clothes on. You can come to church every once in a while. You can donate great money to the building fund. And you can do some wonderful things, cook pancakes and do wonderful good things for people. And yet, if you put lipstick on that pig, it is still a pig. And you are not born again unless Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. And you all have relationship together, you and him. Boy, that's almost too simple, isn't it? Uh, Well, well, I really want to know what it means. It means that the good shepherd is in relationship with his sheep. But notice what he says in verse, verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. But listen to what else he says. And am known by my sheep. And because his sheep know him... Uh, and they know him. Let me ask you a question. Now, God knows us because he sees, he knows our heart from the inside out. But how, in fact, do you and I get to know God? Uh, let me ask you a question. Can we see into the heart of God with our own wonderful powers? No. So how is it then that you and I get to know God by experience? Somebody help me. Prayer, his word, time spent. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm spending time fasting and praying. I'm listening for God's voice. I'm spending time in the word. I'm being around God's people. I'm saying, Lord, whatever I sense you, your spirit guiding me to do, I want to do it quickly as I can do it. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm watching how the word is informing my life, how the spirit is empowering my life, and I'm learning to hear and obey the voice of God. It's a wonderful thing, by the way, 
when you begin hearing God speak to you through his word and through the thoughts that he puts because you've spent so much time getting to know him. You know, the longer you spend <clears throat> with somebody, the better you get to know them. Can anybody amen to that? You ever think you know somebody, you go spend about a week with them somewhere, and you say, boy, I can't wait till I get home. Huh? You say, no, nah, it's not that I don't love them, but I can't be with them all the time. I said this to somebody. There's a reason you chose the person you married, and you're with them all. You can be with them all the time. There ain't nobody else that you can. And so you find out, don't you, with time spent, you get to know people. The same is true about the master. Time spent is where you're going to get to know him. You, ought to, you and I ought to be able to know his ways. That old wristband that used to say, what would Jesus do? Uh, we ought to know the answer to that in situations when we face them because we've spent time with him in the first sweetest hour of the day. You see, when I spend the first sweetest hour of the day with him, then when situations arise, I don't have to say, hey, I better call Chad and ask him what Jesus would do. Because I have spent personal time in the Word of God and in prayer, I'm going to already know, based on what the Spirit is showing me through the Word, what Jesus would do. Anybody amen with that on with me this one? All right, so we're learning the good shepherd is in relationship with the sheep. Let me move on to number three. All right? So the good shepherd gave his life for his sheep. That's what Jesus said. Second, he said the good shepherd is in relationship. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. All right? Now, the third thing I want to point out brought a hymn to my mind this afternoon as I was reading back through this passage. Look with me in verses 15 and 16. And on the overhead, I want you to write this down. It's going to come on the overhead now, number three. Uh, the good shepherd, all right, I want you to write this in your notes. <clears throat> the good shepherd opens the door. But do you see what's in parentheses there? Life gate. Anybody ever remember a song that had something about Jesus opening the life gate? And so uh, that, that all may come. And somebody started singing over there. I heard you. And uh, so the good shepherd opens the door, the life gate, that, help me out, all may come in. Now, let me, let me flesh that out through this scripture, okay? Uh, and I just want to say today, I sure am thankful unto God for Jesus, who tore down the middle wall of separation between the Jew and the Gentile and made with his own blood one nation, one, one, one people, one family, uh, that I am part of the beloved because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. All right, let me put, ask you to put your eyes with me on verse number 15. <clears throat> and he says, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. To the Jew first and then the Gentile. For the Jew first and then the Gentile. So he says there's another group of sheep that I have that are not of this fold. Uh, them also I must bring. Now remember, he's speaking to a, a majority Jewish audience uh, specifically the Pharisees and those people who are wrestling with these great truths that he is the Messiah. And he says, but now listen, let me tell you something, that my sheepfold is not limited to just you folk. And uh, let me tell you, as I'm, as I'm this many thousand years past that when it happened, I'm so thankful that conversation was had. I'm so thankful that not just that conversation was had, I'm so thankful that that truth was part of what Jesus was accomplishing, that for the Gentile, I could also be part of the family of God. And so listen, listen to what he says here in verse 16. And there are other sheep I have that are not of this fold, not of the Jewish fold. They're Gentiles. Them also I, I love this, I love this. Them also I must bring. Uh, the father said, I don't want you to go down. And, you, and he says, now listen, he said, this command. Now you got you to help kind of work this out. Because the Trinity is the belief that God is three, but he is one. And uh, he's God the Father, he's God the Son, he's God the Holy Spirit. All three equal, all three God, all three different. How about that? Different in the fact of person. 
One of the greatest explanations I've ever heard of this is a, is a clip. If you want to check it out on YouTube, it's by a man by, by the name of Nabil Qureshi. All right? And you can just type that in. It'll, it'll work autocorrect for you and help you out. And he does about a 7-minute, 58-second presentation of the Trinity. It's wonderful. He talks about the fact that God is one in being, three in person. Now, we are all human beings, right? We're all one in being, but there are a whole bunch of persons in here. But each one of us is limited to one person, one being. But God, <laughs> who is not limited at all, is one in person, but three, excuse me, one in being and three in person. Now, if you can come draw that on a chart, I'd love for you to come up and we'll have you to do that. And let me just say that the God is so magnificent and unsearchable are his ways that you'll never fully wrap your mind around the wonderful, awesome mystery of the Trinity. You know why? Because there's nothing on earth comparable. Nothing you can compare him to, all right? So listen to what he says here in verse 16. He says, I'm, I'm not, not only of this fold, but also I must bring that, that they may, listen to what he says, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock, not Jew and Gentile, not two separate flocks, but help me out, one flock and one shepherd. One Lord, one baptism, we will be one because he opened the life gate that all could come in. The song that we used to sing was called, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Hath Done. Anybody remember that song? And it goes like this. I'm going to read some of the words. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life, our redemption to win, and opened the life gate that all may go in, Jew and Gentile alike, because of the shed blood of the good shepherd, are able to come in now and both be shepherded by the good shepherd. Oh, I'm so thankful that he opened that life gate and let somebody like me, a Gentile, into the family so that now I can, my soul can be shepherded by the good shepherd. All right, let me move on if I can to number four. Listen, you guys are listening so fast. You thought you were sleepy when you came in, and you really weren't. You see that? You really weren't. Listen to what he's, we're going to find out in verse number 18, all right? Just coming right on down. <clears throat> I'm going to read 17 and then in 18. I want you to write this as number four. The good shepherd is in complete control. Now, I want you to write that, and I'm going to actually point out a few other things in these verses, okay? But I want to just sort of highlight that one thrust there, okay, in verse 18. The good shepherd is in. Y'all help me. He's in what? Complete control. So there's never a time that he's not in control, right? And remember this, that any attack the enemy ever brings into your life, there's a shepherd at the gate. He is the door. And no attack that ever comes into your life comes apart from the wonderful sovereign grace and mercy of God that allows testing as we saw in 1 Peter. How many of y'all remember 1 Peter? We went through the whole book together, didn't we? And we learned that testing is not a, don't think it's strange, but it's refining fire. And like gold and silver for your faith, all right? So reading on, verse number 17, <clears throat> therefore, y'all reading with me? Therefore, my Father, help me, loves me. Why? Because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. You think Jesus is driving a point home here? Don't you think that the people who are going to arrest me and carry me off are in control? <laughs> Matter of fact, if you'll remember a little later on in John's gospel, we find out when they came looking for him, and Jesus asked a question. I love it. He, he, can you just see him in that garden when he said, uh, by the way, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he responds simply with, I am he. And with those three words, I am he, I am, when he says that, the Scripture says they all fall down, face down to the ground, and they can't move. Never, ever forget that scene because it's another absolute that the good shepherd is always in control. 
Uh, he willingly came. He willingly went to the cross. He loved you that much, and nothing was going to stop him. But he also wanted to help them see they weren't the ones in control. Another scene, Pilate and Jesus. And Jesus says, just tell me the truth. You know, don't you know I have the power to set you free to kill you? And I can see Jesus smiling in that moment, can't you? You have no power except for what the Father has given you. And so you're like, man, he, he really is always in control. So listen, never based on the circumstances of your life doubt that he's in control. Never doubt by what you see on the news. I don't watch that stuff, but y'all watch it. When you're watching the news, never doubt that he's on the throne. He's still on the throne. He'll never vacate the throne. And so we find, reading on in verse number 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have, somebody help me, power. This is not a weak and beggarly good shepherd. This isn't a good shepherd who's dependent upon some landowner to meet their need and to supply what they need. This is the good shepherd who has all the power. Do you hear what he says? I have power to lay my life down, right? And, and by the way, there's two forms of power I want you to think about. He, he, pre he presents it in two ways. First of all, I have the power to lay it down. Can you imagine, can you imagine for a minute having the power to stop it at any minute? And somehow, some way, you decided to give your life for somebody. You decided that you were going to go somewhere and be tortured to death, you know, for somebody. I know we can't even imagine that, but just go with me. And can you imagine waking up today and knowing, all right, today's the day. Here we go. And the first time they laid hands on me, I'd be like, okay, 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 okay. I was just kidding. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. The first lick with the cat of nine tails. Wham, when those metal fragments and parts pulled the flesh away from the bone, I'd be like, oh, 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 wait a minute, I know it's going to hurt that bad. You know what? Never mind, never mind, never mind. And yet, knowing all of that, he had the power to lay it down all the way to his last breath. Every lick, he could have said, you know what? Okay, that's enough. That's, I'm done. Forget it. But he had the power. You're talking about power. Power to stay through that? Power to have your creation spit on you? Power to have your creation pull your beard out of your face and slap you and dress you up like a, like a puppet of a king? Are you kidding me? What kind of power is able to stay through that when you didn't have to? But then he presents the second part of the power. He had the power to lay it down, which, by the way, to me is so very impressive. That he was even, somebody would even have the power to willingly go through what he went through. But then the second aspect of that is that he had the power to take it up again. And so he called, you, you hear people say sometimes in baseball, calling their shot. He didn't point over the left field fence, friend. Listen, he pointed to the tomb and said, I'm going to be there, but I'm only going to borrow it because I don't need it for very long. I'm going to die. I've chosen this, but I'm also going to resurrect because I chose that. And he did both. Isn't that good? He backed up exactly what he said to do. So the good shepherd is in complete, somebody help me, control. Nobody takes it from him, but I lay it down, Jesus said. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Now listen to this. He comes back to this theme of this command I have received from, somebody help me, my father. Or we're going to come back to that. This command I have received from my father. Many of you know the scripture verse that says, where Jesus became, humbled himself and became obedient, uh, obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus became obedient. Who did he become obedient to? The Father, all right? The Father gives the command, and the Son uh, submissively follows the will of the Father, the command of the Father. Okay, now let's walk through this thing. Because someone asked me not too long ago, how can you say that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are equal if Jesus said, the Father is greater than I? Oh, boy, I love that. A hush falls over the crowd. 
And if I was to just sit down beside you right now with a microphone and ask you to explain to the group, how is it? Now, now read on down with me. All right, let's just kind of walk on through the, the text. Now, y'all take a deep breath. I'm not, y'all know I'm not coming out there. All right? At least I don't think I am. All right? Therefore, there was a division in verse 19 among them, among the Jews. Some of them said, he's got a demon. He's got a demon, you know. Uh, he's mad. He's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Uh, others of them said, well, th- these are not the words of somebody inside of their mind that has a demon. And then they pose a logical question. Can anybody that has a demon do what he did? I mean, nobody's ever healed anybody that was blind from birth. He did it. Then, then they go on. Now it was at the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was, it was, it was in the, uh, and it was uh, in, y'all see that? And it was winter. And Jesus walked in a temple sometime later, and he, he walked into Solomon's porch. And the Jews, I love this term here, the Jews, I bet he was afraid, don't you? <laughs> he laid down his life. He had the power to lay it down. He had the power to take it up again. He had no fear. And yet they surrounded him. And when they surrounded him, they said to him, can, can you imagine approaching the Son of God and saying, now, how long are you going to keep doing this? How long are you going to keep, keep this veil? We want you just to come out and say it. And Jesus says, you're reading with me, verse 25, I've already said, I've already told you. I've made it clear. I've already made it clear to you who I am, the Christ. And you do not, here's what he said, it's not the fact that I hadn't told you. The fact of the matter is that you don't believe. That's the whole crux of the matter. <clears throat> he says, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Here's what Jesus is saying to them. You guys are smart enough to know that nobody's ever, remember we're pointing back to a specific miracle that just happened. And he's able to say to them, you guys know you've lived your whole life. Nobody has ever healed anybody that was born blind. I did. And so the works that I have done bear witness that I'm not just a man, but I'm also God. And remember, we talked about, we've talked a lot in here about how the disciples struggled with that. They, they saw him with eyes and ears and hair and fingers. And so they, they knew that he was male. They knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was man. But all of their journey with him, even till his resurrection, they were still trying to figure out this, this, uh, this wonderful mystery of the God-man. And when they saw the works of the Father, works of God uh, coming through flesh, it just wrecked them, man. They just didn't know what to do with it. And so here's what he says, but he says, you, you, you can't deny what I've done. So you just don't want to believe. Because if you want to believe, the signs are already there. They already point to the fact that I'm the Messiah. You want me to say it, but I've already proven it. Let me go a little further along. He goes on to say in verse number 26, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, you don't belong to me. You're not mine. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they help me. They follow me. Here's some characteristics. We've talked a lot about the characteristics of the good shepherd, but here's some characteristics of the sheep. This should be me and you, those of us who've been born again. We should know. We should hear his voice. Do you hear his voice? If you don't, step number one, start every day this week in the Word of God. Start every day, first part of the day. Start the day in the Word and in prayer, and you will begin to hear his voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Somebody here is wondering, why do I never hear his voice? My sheep, he said, hear my voice. And, and he said, I know them. See, he's saying that again. And they, oh, here's another characteristic of, of his sheep, his people, his children. They, they know him, okay? They say, oh, that's him. God's in that. I see God. That's, that's the character and nature of God. But also, they follow me. Uh, one great characteristic of the child of God is that they are obedient to the Lord and Savior. Not out of obligation, not trying to earn his favor, not a legalistic lifestyle, but because his lavish love has been poured out on me, I want my life to please him. 
I want my life to bring honor to his name. All right, verse number 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life. That's what he gives me and you, eternal life. Now, remember I shared with you this morning, eternal life is not heaven. Are you all with me tonight? Uh, anybody uh, have your perspective changed on that somewhere in your journey that you thought at one point, I did, that eternal life was when I get to heaven? Um, but truly, that is a relationship with God. Eternal life begins the moment you begin relationship with God through Jesus Christ the Son when you confess and believe and receive and take that doorknob, as we talked about this morning, and enter into the door of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and confess him as Lord. He says, I give them eternal life, and they shall, I love this, never perish. Sometimes I just have to remind myself, tell you, you know what? You'll never perish. Because of Jesus, you'll never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I'm so thankful. <clears throat> no scheme of the enemy could ever take me away from Jesus. Nobody. No, nobody. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now, someone showed here that he says the Father is greater than all. Earlier, Jesus said the Father is greater than I. And so how is it that Jesus can say the Father is greater than I and me declare to you that in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all equal? Here's how. They are one in essence, uh, being, uh, three in person. And so when we think about the role of being equal, they are equal in power and majesty and glory, but they are different in function. Somebody help me if you understand what I'm talking about. In other words, uh, three people can't say to three people, go and die for the sins of the world. They can't. It's impossible. Uh, so there has to be one who is greater in function who can give the command. There has to be one lesser in function who receives the command and goes and carries out the command. And then there is the spirit of both, oftentimes the Spirit of God is referred to as the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, or the Holy Spirit. He is all of those things, and all three, yes, are equal in person, excuse me, in being, but they are separate and individual in function. Are you all tracking with me tonight? Does that help you a little bit when you're understanding, wrapping your mind around the Trinity? Now when somebody asks you that, well, then how did, why does Jesus say you're able to say because it is for function. It is for carrying out the role of salvation in the affairs of man. Isn't it wonderful that God would do that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is in complete control. And then finally, number five. Can you believe we've gotten there already? I think we have like two minutes left over. And y'all know I've never been two minutes early. I don't know what's going on tonight. <clears throat> All right, look with me, if you will, in verses 29 and 30. You there? 29 and 30. Number five, I want you to write this. So, so far we've said the good shepherd gave his life for his sheep. Number two, we said the good shepherd is in relationship with his sheep. They know him and he knows them. The good shepherd opens the door. We called it the life gate, <clears throat> that all may come in, Jew and Gentile alike, can be shepherded by Jesus. Thank God for that. And then we said, number four, the good shepherd is in complete control. And then briefly, we looked at some of the characteristics of his sheep, right? And I hope you'll pay attention to that. And then finally, I want to conclude with the good shepherd is God. The good shepherd is God. He's not an assistant to God. He's not an imminent ray of God. Jesus is not simply a good prophet, as some religions of the world would tell you. Um, but proclaimed by Jesus himself is John 10 and verse number 30. <clears throat> Someone said to me just recently, in our community, I don't know why you believe that Jesus is God. I said, well, I can give you about 50 different reasons. And they said, well, he never said that he and the Father were the same. I said, oh, really? What Bible are you reading from? Because according to John chapter 10, verse number 30, put your eyes there with me, would you please? Because someone may in this community ask you from time to time, uh, why do you believe that Jesus is God? Why in the world would you think that he's equal with God the Father? And you'll be able to say to them, oh, that's very simple because he said so. 
And if he said it, it is true, whether I believe it or you do or not. It doesn't. Listen to me. The truth of God doesn't need my belief to validate it. It is the truth of God. And listen to what he says in verse 30. Everybody reading? I love this verse. He says, uh, y'all read it with me. I and my father are. Oh, so you mean that the good shepherd is God. That's exactly what I mean. Well, I don't mean it. He said it. I, the shepherd, the good shepherd, and the father, God, are one. I want to leave you with this great lasting thought. The good shepherd is God. Don't you ever doubt that Jesus is equally God, as God the Father is equally God, as the Holy Ghost is equally God. And so let's just, if we could take a moment, bow our heads together and listen for what the Holy Spirit might say to us before we close our time together. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Boy, it's been a good day to be in the house of the Lord. And we've learned a lot today, haven't we? We've learned so much uh, from the Word of God. And I'm just, I'm praying tonight that if you're here and you've, listen as I make this plea to you tonight, <clears throat> the plea that I want to extend to you tonight, the invitation, the, 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 the cry that I would like to make to you tonight is, uh, if you have never surrendered your life to the Good Shepherd, I beg you tonight, do it. Before another minute comes off the clock, invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. His desire is to shepherd your soul. Can you imagine that? He wants to shepherd you into the place of peace, beside the still waters, to green pastures. He wants to set up a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He wants to shepherd you in that goodness and mercy. And by the way, when you think about that in Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm, goodness and mercy are oftentimes referenced as two sheepdogs that chase after the sheep and keep them in a safe place. Goodness and mercy. And so it's the goodness and the mercy of God, like two loving sheepdogs keeping me and you, goodness and mercy, following us, moving us out of the dangerous places, guiding us into the sweet green pastures beside the still waters, goodness and mercy. He wants to shepherd your soul. But he's so gentle and so loving and so kind that he'll not put you in a trap or bait you or put you in a headlock and force you. He's the good shepherd who just makes the invitation. Would you come to me? Would you just come to me and I'll give you rest? Come to me and I'll, I'll show you my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, Jesus says, come to me. And I'll shepherd your soul. I'll shepherd your emotions. I'll shepherd your fears. I'll shepherd your peace. I'll shepherd your mind. I'll shepherd your spirit. I'll shepherd your marriage. I'll shepherd your single life. I'll shepherd your teenage years. I'll shepherd you. I'll guide you. I'll lead you. And might I tell you, my friend, he has proven himself faithful and trustworthy. So tonight, if, if you never have, and the Spirit of God is nudging your heart, whether you're in this room or you're listening out there somewhere, listening to the podcast later, would you wave the white flag and invite Jesus to come and be Lord? The Lord, listen to me. You're talking about the goodness of God. He's the Lord that comes in and doesn't lord it over you. He doesn't put you like a, a dog on a leash. Instead, he's a sh good shepherd who leads out ahead of you and says, now, come on, follow me. 
And I just want to tell you, I can testify tonight, he's a good shepherd. He's worthy of following. And so tonight, would you consider Jesus? For those of you who have considered Jesus, would you give him a little more? Would you give him a little more of you this week? Let him shepherd your emotions. That thing that you're just bent out of shape about, that thing that you just can't get past, that hurt, that anxiety, that depression, that I don't know what it is, the emotion that's been shepherding you. <clears throat> but I wonder tonight if you'd bring that to the altar of God and you'd lay it before him. Disappointment, frustration, feeling alienated, feeling isolated. I don't know what's been shepherding your thoughts, but I know this, they have not shepherded you to a place of still waters and green pastures. But Jesus will. And so tonight, maybe it is for you to come and just place that at the altar and place that at his feet and say, Lord Jesus, this fear has been shepherding me. This depression, this disappointment has shepherded me. And I'm giving that to you tonight. I don't want to be shepherded by those things. Those things don't love me. Those things can't lead me to a good place. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I'm laying my life at your feet, and I'm asking you again to shepherd me. I want to give you more of me. I want to follow you, lovingly follow you. Shepherd me. Guide me. So, Father, I pray in this time of response that your people would respond accordingly. I don't know what each person needs to do, but I know we all need to respond in some way to what we've heard. I'm so thankful that you're the good shepherd. I'm so thankful that you're willing to shepherd somebody like me. So tonight, I pray if there's a lost soul, you'd save them. If there's a wandering heart, you'd draw them. And for all of us, we would lay down at your feet those things that we have allowed to shepherd us emotionally, physically, spiritually. And we'd cast them out. We'd lay them at your feet. And we'd give our full allegiance to you this week. One, one moment at a time. Trusting your power. And we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me?